Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be slowing down your computer. For more information, go to MyCleanPC.com. Our next guest knows what the World League of American Football can do for your career. Brad Johnson played one season for the London Monarchs where he led the league in completions. And within seven years, he was lifting the Lombardi Trophy as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He was the second quarterback in Washington history to throw for 4,000 yards in one season. He broke almost every passing record in Tampa Bay history. And he's the only quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass to himself. Brad Johnson, thanks for joining us. Oh, I appreciate having me on the show. Thank you very much. Brad, let's start with the obvious question. You threw a touchdown pass to yourself? You want to explain that one? I did, I did. The, uh, <laughs> I was playing the Minnesota Vikings back in 1997, and the play was about on the three-yard line, and the play was a uh, dot left spear ripped out. So basically, that's a little white stick and then a flat. And uh, I dropped back in the pocket. It was going to my left, and the ball, it got batted. I caught the ball. And the rules are you cannot pass the ball twice forward. But I started scrambling around and uh, went to the end zone and scored a uh, touchdown. So it counted as a touchdown pass, touchdown catch. And for fantasy football, it uh, counted for 12 points. And actually won the <laughs> So it was, kind of a, it was a wild play. It was from the three-yard line. If it had been from the four-yard line, I probably would have been a yard short. So, I knew uh, I should have put you that week in my fantasy league. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brad, we've been talking about leagues other than the NFL these past five weeks. What did the World League do for you as a quarterback, and how did it change your career? I think that league is different for every situation. And for me, I was a late bloomer in football. I, was a, I love basketball. I played two years of basketball at Florida State. I was competing with a guy named Casey Weldon at Florida State. Uh, he pretty much beat me out. He was a runner-up for the Heisman, Desmond Howard. So I really didn't play much in college. I drafted the ninth round for the Minnesota Vikings. And I spent three or four years there. I was backing up Rich Gannon, backing up Jim McMahon, was backing up Warren Moon. And when Warren Moon was playing, he was older at the time, and he would take Friday off from practice, and I would get that practice time. But I was never getting the game time. And at the end of the season that year, I, I went to Brian Billick and talked to him. I was like, listen, I, I just want to, I need a chance to play. I know I can't play in front of Warren Moon as a backup and all that. But I just need a chance to play, to, to go. And I heard about this new league that was coming back again, which was the World League, and and the Atlanta Monarchs, they, they, I got allocated to the Atlanta Monarchs. It was a chance just to play, a chance to make mistakes, a chance to lead a team. Uh, it was a 10-game season, went through a whole training camp, and then played. And, you know, the, the thing about it was I was fortunate in my situation because I was with the Minnesota Vikings where I already knew the system. I'd been there for four years. I knew the system where some guys were having to learn their system in the NFL, go to the World League, and then try to come back and make a team where I was already allocated. I knew a system. I didn't have to learn a new system besides one in the World League. So my situation was different, but it was, it was, it was impactful for my career. And uh, not everybody made it that went over there now. But uh, later on in, in guys' careers, I made it. Kurt Warner made it. John Kittner made it. Jay Fiedler. And I'm sure there was a couple others kind of like that that it did propel our careers. So it was kind of neat for me and my, my, my own experience. Last week, Brad, we were talking to Bill Polian, and uh, he told us that he thinks there should be a spring league to develop, among other things, quarterbacks. But he thought that uh, they should put six teams in the southeast where there's a hotbed of football, and he thinks that, that it could work down there. Do you think that a league like that could work in the southeast? Well, I, I, I probably should go back to the NFL roster, first of all. We used to keep 
three quarterbacks and the third quarterback was inactive. So you were developing quarterbacks on your own team, in your own system. The coaches had their hands on you. Uh, and one year, I'll be honest with you, the Minnesota Vikings, they kept four quarterbacks. It was uh, Sean Salisbury, Jim McMahon, Geno Treader, and myself. Otherwise, the way they're doing it now, they keep two quarterbacks and then maybe like a practice squad quarterback. So I don't think the NFL is doing a good job by the roster count. I wish they would keep a, one spot, a third spot, automatically has to be a roster spot, even though he may not be inactive, may not be active on that particular day. But is, is, could there be a season, a spring league? Yes, not a doubt in my mind. And not only just for quarterbacks, but that also goes for coaches and general managers and, and, and other assistant coaches to learn how to coach, even trainers. All those people. So I think it's a valuable system if it could take place, and, and hopefully that would happen. We're talking with former quarterback Brad Johnson on the Talk of Fame Network, and Brad played a year with the London Monarchs in the World League. And Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't play in Wembley Stadium that year. You played in White Hart Lane, correct? <laughs> and that's White the home. Lane. Yeah, that's home <laughs> of the Tottenham Hotspur, the Premier League, which soccer fans would know. And because the pitch wasn't long enough to accommodate American football. Your team had special permission, I think I've got this right, to play on a 93-yard field. Is that right? How did that go? Well, it's interesting you ask that. The field was 100 yards long, so that was regulation. But the end zones were only seven and a half yards deep. And the last yard and a half, it actually fell off. And that year, going into the 10th game, we led the league in sacks, not giving up. So if we did, our linemen, they were going to get like $500 or $1,000 bonus and it was in the fourth quarter. I came out. We had a quarterback who played at Notre Dame, Kevin McDougal, who on the one-yard line. He dropped back. He fell out of the back of the end zone and hit his head against the wall. And it counted as a sack. <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about <laughs> it made it tough. Really seven and a half yards, maybe six yards deep in the end zone to score touchdowns. But um, but it was, it was quite unique. But I, I'll be honest with you, I loved it. Was, it was unbelievable to go. You know, I went, we went to Frankfurt, went to Amsterdam, went to Scotland. Berlin. Uh, it was just neat. We traveled all over the place. Lived in London for for two and a half, three months. It was a great experience as far as all that went. Brad, here we are, twenty uh, years later, and they're talking about putting an NFL team, not not a worldly team, an NFL team in London. Do you like that idea? Well, I mean, for expanding the game worldwide, yes. But as a player, it would be tough. I'll be honest with you. Obviously, living overseas, having a family, or just traveling back and forth, the transition of that. How do you, you know, okay, we're not going to go back to London. We're going to stay over in the States and practice somewhere for two or three weeks. Uh, how do you do off-season workouts? I, I just think it would be tough logistically. It's more than just six months out of the year. It's, it's a nine-month kind of deal as far as being with the team, training camp process. It would be tough from that standpoint. As far as living in London, as far as playing in London, the crowd support, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it, it's it's it, it'd be tough transition for any one of those teams to have to travel back and forth four or five times like that, and then just how the off season would would work. But um, but I do I've been over back. I went back with the Buccaneers. They played Chicago Bears a couple years ago, and it was a great experience as far as that as far as that went. Crowd support was awesome. Uh, that took place in London. Obviously, you had a, just had a great story there about the seven and a half yard end zone and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> your poor quarterback knocking his head against the wall. Any other stories like that that come to mind from your experience there in, in London or playing anywhere in in Europe? I just remember, you know, <laughs> you had to get you had to get you had to get adjusted to the food. There was, you know, there's no there's no ice in the drinks. The milk was warm. We lived in kind of an old dorm, old police academy shutdown dorm kind of thing, and and uh, it was different. You had 38 players on the team. Eight of them were foreigners, so 
together 30 American states that were foreigners that were from London or from their particular country. Uh, one of the of those players had to be on the field at all times. And it was tough as far as, uh, you know, that many players and having to play special teams and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was a regular work week. We started early in the morning and, and, and did all the meetings and did the practice time. But I was very grateful. I got to play uh, offense coordinator with uh, Lionel Taylor and uh, offensive line coach was Charlie Davis. And played some great players. Still have some friendships from a lot of those guys. The tight end was Michael Taylor. And I wow. still have friendships with a lot of those guys. We're with Brad Johnson on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Brad, let's uh, fast forward a little bit. Many of our listeners, of course, remember you for the 2002 Super Bowl, which was played in San Diego. Uh, that Bucks defense was real good, as you remember. And, in fact, it was so good. I think we have two guys in the Hall of Fame and a third, John Lynch, who's from San Diego, on the cusp. That defense came around only two years after Baltimore won a Super Bowl. And you remember that Baltimore defense is one of the best ever. question for you is, which one of those defense would you less like to face as a quarterback? They were both great. Both teams had Hall of Famers on them, you know. And uh, it, was, it was neat to be a part of it. Obviously, you know, I think John Lynch will have a great chance to make it. It may be Ronnie Barber, but there were other great players in Simeon Rice. And offensively, we had a lot of great players, too. And it, just, it, was, it was just a, it was an unbelievable experience that all those guys come together and get to share in something uh, incredible as far as winning a Super Bowl, and you kind of forget the individual honors when something like that takes place. But both Baltimore, they won it with the great defense. Tampa won it with the great defense, but there's great total team efforts by both parts. And uh, it's interesting how both teams won in different ways you kind of compare teams and years and years. In your mind, is uh, John Lynch a Hall of Famer, and if so, why? I, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, obviously, his Pro Bowls, he did it in Tampa. Uh, he did four Pro Bowls in uh, in Denver. He went to uh, AFC Championship game, either one or two in Denver. Went to two championship games in uh, in Tampa. It, it's unfortunate, you know. People say, "Well, he didn't." Yeah, well, he didn't. Well, you, you know what? He did. <laughs> he, he redefined. He redefined. He was an unbelievable hitter. Uh, you did not want to cross the middle with him. He's a guy that could get down to the box. Made an eight man box. He had his interceptions. And, you know, each player in the league. You know, have their fault. You could say some receivers they have a lot of catches, where they call a lot of bubble screens. Well, you could say, you know, maybe he was protected, kept cover two, he wasn't a cover guy. You know what? He did. He accomplished, and everything that he played on was successful. He made Pro Bowls in the NFC and the AFC. So sometimes when you get in that, when sometimes when you get to a vote, whether it's a Pro Bowl or you get to a Hall of Fame, sometimes it becomes a political deal in who they're trying to, you know, push forward. Do we do we put one receiver in this year, or two receivers? Who do we put in next year? And, and unfortunately, it happens that way. But those guys that do make it, they deserve it. And uh, But John will be one of those guys in time that um, he definitely deserves it with his play and what he did over his career. And, and just the man he was, not alone on the field, but what he did off the field, too. Well, Brad, uh, we know you've got to run because you're, you're coaching uh, middle school football. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's that sort of like for you? Why are you doing that? I know your, your kids are playing, but... What's that sort of like for you? And obviously it's vastly different from the NFL or the World League. So how do you sort of deal with coaching that level of kids? I love it. I love it. I coached uh, junior uh, junior high and varsity basketball for a few years. I got two boys in seventh and eighth grade. I coached them through second grade, all the way up to now in football, basketball, and just very active with them. I, I'm the head, head, head coach last year. I coached two different football teams and five different basketball teams. So <laughs> – I kind of live with a whistle in my mouth, and I'm a water boy, equipment boy. I do the parent emails, and 
I got a big game on Thursday. I, I can't say anything else but just playing my Thursday game. I don't know what, what else is going on in the world right now besides making scripts and, and getting them laminated and getting all my kids ready. I wash the clothes for them. It, 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 it's fun to be with my kids. And, and fortunate that I had the memories, the experiences of playing in the NFL, playing for some great coaches. And, and I really try to relay those stories to a lot of those kids and just, you know, the hard work and effort that takes place. And then, you know, trying to be a part of something great, you give yourself a chance to be a part of something great also. So uh, I'm very fortunate to be with my kids. And I got one that's a quarterback in Max, and I got another one that's a tight end. So it's kind of fun being with them. Hey, Brad, thanks for the time, and good luck with the coach. You really enjoyed this. Thank you very All right. much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank Brad. you, Brad. Take care, Brad. That was former quarterback Brad Johnson, also a Super Bowl 37 winner. When we return, we'll get to this week's Hall of Fame and Shame nominees. As well as hear about Antonio Gates and Canton. This is the Talk of Fame Network.